0: Let's go to the Lord and pray together this morning. Father, thank you. We come and we come with hearts filled with thanks for, I know we can perhaps feel uh, the weight of this year, but we can come as well coming thankful for the year that you have given to us. Thank you for another year. May we not forget that each year truly is a mercy. Since Genesis chapter 3, every second, every minute, every hour, every day, every month, every year is a mercy. And how quickly we can forget that or lose sight of it, lose sight of the God who is over all things that with every day we live and breathe and we do all we do before the God who made us, and the God who made us, who sent His Son into the world to come and save us. And that each year is a year, even as a, a loudspeaker crying out to come to Christ while there is still yet time. For each year that passes is another year that we grow nearer to the return of our Lord. So each year is indeed a mercy. So help us not to take lightly, Lord, the time that you give us. Whether it's 2020 or any other year or 2021, we don't know what is ahead, but we know that you're ahead, you're there. And you are the sure refuge of our souls that we need not fear. So grow our joy in you. Grow our love for you and for others. And help us, Lord. Help us to work that you would work in us. And work that we would be conformed more to your Son, Jesus Christ. May you work in us this morning even a gospel resolve in our hearts in view of the year to come. We look to you. Give us grace and ears to hear now, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, if you would, go ahead and turn in your Bibles to the letter of the Philippians or to the Philippians. And we'll be in Philippians chapter 1, verses 27 through 30. Well, it seems like as quickly as 2020 began, we are now drawing to the end of this year as well, to the end of 2020. Even though there was so much that happened this year, it just seems like this year went by very quickly as well. And now we're right on the cusp of entering into a new year as well. Now, it goes without saying that this, of course, was a hard year. It was a difficult year, I think, for every person here, trying to figure out how in the world do we navigate something we've never navigated before. We've all had to walk through that and figure that out as families, even this last week, right, with Christmas. How do we celebrate Christmas with our families or can we you know so it has been a hard year Yet even so as we do recognize that and even as we do looking forward to the new year you know we're uh, thinking about you know what we will resolve with the new year what kind of resolutions we will make for 2021 and so I won't lie you know I I'm doing that too, you know, making resolutions and efforts there that I would like to to aim at. So, unlike some who are perhaps weary of resolutions, I find that they are helpful, you know. They're even invigorating to aim at things, perhaps, that I need to become a little bit more focused on, you know. And, you know, the normal kind of resolutions we have, you know, get fit, you know, eat better, Save more, you know, work on this or that project that you've been meeting to get to. Well, now you're going to get to it, you know, and so on as it goes. You know, maybe you make a reading list for the new year, you know, making that list, and, and on we go with our resolutions. But as we do this, and those are good, and those are fine to make, you know, and, and even right to make. I, I know I'm making some of those this next year as well. <laughs> you know and and it's fine to do that but i think also we need to take uh, a step and a, go a little bit deeper with our resolutions as well and i would even challenge you to do that this year so consider someone from history the pastor theologian jonathan edwards and he made all of these various resolutions and they weren't for like a new year that he made these resolutions these were his kind of personal resolutions that he made for himself and aiming specifically at seeking to follow christ in greater and greater ways you know and so let me just read a few of these here from him that he resolved back in the 18th century and so he wrote resolved never to do any manner of thing whether in soul or body, less or more, but what tends to the glory of God, nor be nor suffer it if I can avoid it. So this direct and heartfelt aim, setting your, your face like flint to the glory of God. Amen. Think about that as a goal for the new year, a resolution. Here's another. Resolve to endeavor to obtain for myself as much happiness In the other world, as I possibly can, with all the power, might, vigor, and vehemence, yea, violence, I am capable of or can bring myself to exert in any way that can be thought of. Again, setting his face like flint and finding joy in God and his kingdom more than anything else in this world. Let me give you one more. Resolved never to speak evil of anyone so that it shall tend to his dishonor, more or less, upon no account except for some real good. So those are some resolutions from Jonathan Edwards, and I think they perhaps get us to even see perhaps how we can go a bit deeper with our own resolutions for the year to come. And I believe that we must go deeper in our resolutions aiming at not just kind of those exercising and things like that, which are good. It's actually a form of godly stewardship, taking care of the body that God has given me, so we don't just divorce that from God. But aiming at real spiritual growth that isn't trivial, nor that won't challenge us to grow in ways that grow us and spur us on to love God and love others more. So what kind of resolutions can you make like that? Those are some deeper kind of sanctification, character level resolutions that we can make and we need to aim at even. And I think we would do well to aim at in the new year as well. And so in our passage though this morning, Paul, he exhorts us to some what we'll see is some resolutions, some things that I think we should resolve to in light of the new year. So what should compel us even across every sphere of our life. So let's read here then, beginning in Philippians chapter 1, verse 27. May God honor the reading of his word. Amen. It says, Only let your manner of life Be worthy of the gospel of Christ. So whether I come and see you or I'm absent, I may hear of you that you're standing firm in one spirit, with one mind, striving side by side for the faith of the gospel and not frightened in anything by your opponents. This is a clear sign to them of their destruction, but of your salvation and that from God or has been granted to you that for the sake of Christ you should not only believe in him but also suffer for his sake engage in the same conflict that you saw I had and now hear that I still have so this letter from the Apostle Paul is really just an incredible letter I have long loved this letter and it has long you know, spurred on my own heart in all variety of ways and towards joy and towards satisfaction in Jesus Christ towards, and towards living for Christ in so many, so many ways. And you, As you, you read the letter to the Philippians, you can't help but be amazed by the joy. This this joy that just abounds out of a letter. I mean, again and again, joy just comes and fills its pages. And he writes one of the most joy-filled letters in the New Testament while he is where? Prison. That's right. I mean, right there we have you know, a lesson for us. He wrote the most joy-filled letter in the New Testament while he was in prison. And so we have much that we could learn from Paul even as he is imitating Christ already with just that. So there are, there are so many powerful passages in this letter. But here, with the verses we're in, This morning, especially in verse 27, we actually are coming and we have here the central theme of the letter to the Philippians. And also we have here the first resolution for us to take away from this letter. So first, resolve to live for the sake of the gospel. Resolve to live for the sake of the gospel. So verse 27 there. And so the words he uses there to begin it. And he says, only let. Now, those words, they they amount to this. He's saying, now focus on this one thing. And so he isn't, he isn't just kind of giving that though. He isn't just kind of recommending it to you. Here's some here's some you know, wise counsel I want you to take heed of. This is an imperative. It is a command for us. Live in a manner worthy of the gospel. Amen. Commanded for all of us here right now from God. Live in a manner, this one thing, live in a manner worthy of the gospel. Now, as you hear that, you may hear that word, worthy, and you might stumble a bit and find it a bit troubling, you know. I mean, really? Worthy? You know, I thought the gospel was something that was unearnable. You know, you're talking about worthy. I mean, salvation through Christ, it comes apart from anything we do. Well, you would definitely be right in that. I mean, the gospel, it's only received by those who look to Christ by faith. They trust in him and his complete work on the cross and his resurrection. So that is certainly true. But this is talking about a different sort of worthy here. So it's more like this. In view of such a gracious gospel live in a manner fitting to that. In view of the gospel that you have received, in light of this gracious, merciful gospel, now go live. <laughs> Amen. So it's, it's a seeing the preciousness, the glory, the grace the magnificence, the mercy, the love, the greatness of such a salvation and such a gospel and saying, that right there is worthy of all of my life. That's what he's saying. And that's what we're being called to. And this is a gospel that is worthy of your life. Amen. So Paul he sees even as before these verses so the context he's already said this even He sees that the essence of life or death is summed up in this Philippians 1, 20, 21. For to me to live is Christ and to die is gain So whether I'm living or whether I'm dying it's all about Jesus my life is all about Christ. And that is what he's setting for us as well, setting before us as well, that you, Christian, would be able to say the same thing, whether I live or die, Christ. That's my life. May not be a pastor, may not be a missionary, may not be this or that, but I am living for Christ, everywhere, anywhere by his grace, by his power, by his spirit. With him as my refuge all the time. Now the word here for manner of life, it's an interesting word. It's basically saying, live as a citizen. That's what it means, a citizen of the greater kingdom because you are a citizen of a greater kingdom. So Paul, you you may not see it there, but he actually he makes it very plain later in the letter in Philippians chapter 3 verse 20. He says, But our citizenship is in heaven and from it we await a Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who will transform our lowly body to be like his glorious body by the power that enables him even to subject all things to himself. And that point right there, I mean, that's, a, that's a vital point for us today. So the discussion, I think if you could kind of peek into some you know, people's homes and even Christians' homes today, you would think perhaps by listening to them that they are for, first and foremost citizens of this world rather than of the next. So nothing is to rise above your allegiance to Christ. He is our king here in America. He is our king outside of America. He is our king everywhere. So nothing is to rise above it. Live for the sake of the gospel. And so it is then that we can aim And seeking to live in a manner worthy of the gospel in two ways. And the first is to aim Godward. Aim Godward. So one author famously wrote, nearly all the wisdom we possess, that is to say, true and sound wisdom, consists in two parts. The knowledge of God and the knowledge of ourselves. Just to to add to that, minister, A.D. Rich Hoser, he wisely said this as well. What comes into our minds when we think about God is the most important thing about us. And so we, we need to see the call to aim Godward. And even see that that is exactly the very reason that Jesus came into the world. To do what? To bring us to God. Which is exactly what Peter tells us in chapter 3, 18 of 1 Peter. He says, for Christ also suffered once for sins, the righteous for the unrighteous, that he might bring us to God, being put to death in the flesh, but made alive in the spirit. So you and I then, we are to be aimed Godward. (laughs) Godward. So that means that with all of who you are, know God. Know who he is. Know what he is about. Know his character. Learn from him. Commune with him. And love him. And all of that beginning with the gospel. So the the gospel itself propels us Godward. It propels us onward to love what God loves and delight in what God delights in. So as we draw near to 2021, how will you aim Godward? Thinking about resolutions, how will you aim Godward in your thoughts, in your plans, in your desires, and I'll just pause on that. Your desires, you can aim those. God word too. Your emotions can be aimed. God word. They're not just kind of out of control. You know, you just go and follow them wherever they lead you. You can aim them like the psalmist. God word. So how are you going to aim yourself? God word in all things. So that's the first kind of aim under the first resolution. And then the second aim and how living in a manner worthy of the gospel and how it calls us to this second one then, to aim at godliness. Aim at godliness. So it says, only let your manner of life be worthy of the gospel of Christ. So the gospel, it leads us right into the call to holiness. The Spirit of God, He comes, not it, but He comes and dwells within you such that you don't, you don't go forward. You haven't went forward throughout this year. If you know Jesus Christ, you have not been walking in this world alone. You have not taken one step alone. The God of the universe, the Spirit of God has been in you and is in you like tabernacle, temple. Jesus Christ, the glory of God among us, and now the Spirit of God in us. And so he is in us and with us, and he has been in us and with us this whole year, if you know Christ. And he is the Holy Spirit. So what will he be doing in his saints, which are the what? The sanctified ones. He'll be making them holy. He'll be making them more like Jesus. So he makes his people holy, he makes Christ's church holy. So then you and I are to intentionally aim at and digital, diligently pursue godliness not going to happen accidentally we have to we have to pursue it work even in Philippians work out your own salvation with fear and trembling working hard with all your might and then for it is God who is working you to will and work for his good pleasure so Philippians if you're wondering where I got that from Philippians uh, 2 12 13 so you're to be intentional and aim at it, and it will require you to re- rearrange your priorities. It will mean fighting for the priority of your communion with God. I guarantee you, <laughs> throughout my life and throughout your life, there will be things that will continually try you and try to get you away from spending time with God. You're not going to ever come to a point unless you, and even if you do, if you moved off and like lived in a cave, there'd be something. You'd be like, oh, look at that rock. That's an interesting rock. You know, there'd be something that would distract you from, from that. So you're going to face that for the rest of your life. So you have to fight for your communion with God. Otherwise, it will not happen. Fighting for the pursuit of godliness. I mean, how... Satan will try so hard to dissuade you from the main things. But don't listen to him. Don't give in. Fight, resolve, pursue it all by the power of God within you. Amen. So how then can we aim at these two things? Godward, godliness. Well, the statement is True if you aim at nothing, you will hit it every time. So you aim at nothing and you'll hit nothing. So that means we need to, to take aim. And this is a perfect time to do it. With these resolutions. So let's take proper aim. Let's press on along the road towards Godwardness and godliness. Even as the spiritual forces try to dissuade us and as various pressures of life may arise, keep along the path. Resolve to take up the word of God and resolve, and I would think this is important, both of those, looking at both of those connected together as communing with God. So word of God and communion with God and prayer. So word of God and prayer, communing with God. That's what I mean. So take up those, but then in hearing that, don't just think, ah, this is the way I think a lot of people think of it today, that the personal devotional time, that is spirituality. That if you have that, you are now a spiritual or godly person. Where spirituality is not boiled down to your personal devotions alone. You were never meant to go it alone in the Christian faith. You need the church also. Godliness is not defined primarily by your personal devotions. In fact, apart from the church, your personal devotions may be dangerous. Dietrich Bonhoeffer, he warns, Let him who cannot be alone beware of community and then he says let him who is not in community beware of being alone I'll read it again let him who cannot be alone beware of community let him who is not in community beware of being alone god has ordained that you need both you need both christ has made it hasn't made it an option for you to live apart from his body. So much so that if you are, you seriously need to ask whether you know Christ at all. It is that important. Amen. You cannot cut yourself off and say, I have my personal devotions, my own little faith in God and Christ. And have nothing to do with the church and say that you're a godly person. You need both You aren't Lone Rangers, nor do we have a Lone Ranger kind of faith. You're not, and if there's any question in our minds, you're not the hero at the end of the story. You know, God is the hero at the end of the story. So he gets the, all the glory in every area of all we do. And I know COVID has certainly made things difficult, but urge you might of 2021 find ways to serve and i'm not just talking about here i'm talking about anywhere and everywhere i mean the god of the universe has created all these wondrous things and he has given us those who are made in his image creative minds and just if we could you know be a bit more creative in how we figure out and think through how to serve one another unbelievers and believers alike so perhaps that's something you can do as well this year. And, and then press on in sharing Christ. Living worthy of the gospel includes sharing it. It certainly does. So who is, who is one person that you can share Christ with? Who is one person you can, you can begin a conversation with, a relationship with, towards sharing Christ with them? I mean, think about it right now bring that person to your mind and so let us resolve to live for the sake of the gospel so resolve that first and then second the second resolution and last one here resolve to stand together for the sake of the gospel So resolve to stand together for the sake of the gospel. So what follows here from verse 27a into 27b through 30, Paul, he further expounds upon what living in a manner worthy of the gospel looks like. You would even argue he does that throughout the rest of the letter. And so this is a a vital exhortation, exhortation for us today, this call to stand together for the sake of the gospel. I mean, right now, wow, especially now, isolation, social distancing, not regular gathering and everything else, the spiritual forces are doing everything they possibly can to keep us from standing together for the sake of the gospel. Just, just hear that. That's what they're trying to do. To, Don't believe it. They're going to try it this year. And they'll continue to try it. The body of Christ is not functioning exactly the way it would normally. And so now take him alone and destroy him. Isolate him and take him out. Don't believe it. Don't give in to it. Instead of that, Paul, he urges then that we strive side by side side by side it says that we are to strive that means to toil to labor to fight like warriors together in the midst of a battle and that's kind of the imagery here going into a war a fight and we are to stand and we are to take this stand together and every warrior every soldier matters and when a soldier falls who is to be there to help them, we are to come and run to their aid. Our fellow brother or sister in Christ, they have fallen. We're going to come and gather them up and continue the battle with them. As the bullets fly, especially in our day, we are to keep our eyes on Christ, and on Christ our captain and our king. And so I praise the Lord that I have seen that at Haven this year, really, again and again. Just rejoice in seeing that. I've seen you do just that, to pick one another up. You know, when, you know, various members have been down, whether someone's been in need or tested positive for COVID or us, you know, Megan was in the hospital for a week. You came to us and, and helped us. You've done that again and again. And so may we continue to do that. May we press on even while the battle rages around us. May we not turn our weapons inward upon ourselves, but keep fighting the good fight of the faith with arms locked together. That's how it's to be. And so Paul, he says that we are to do this with, uh, in one spirit and with one mind. Now, here, he's not talking about uniformity, if you know what I mean. He's not talking about uniformity. He's talking about unity. And there's a difference. Uniformity means everyone has to look the same, has to dress the same, have to agree on everything, listen to the same music. You know, all is uniform, all is the same. I think sometimes we can feel that, right? Like someone's different from me, and you get a little angst in you, like they don't agree with me on this, or, or they do this differently, you know, and you're just like, uh, well, just remember, not uniformity. <laughs> you're not the standard. So that's not what we're called to. We're called to unity. We may not look the same, dress the same, agree on everything, listen to the same music, but we are united in and by Christ Amen. and how freeing that is it's okay to be for people to be different from you even more and recognizing this we're saying I'm not the standard of Christianity the way I raise my children or the way I did this or the way I do school or whatever it is I'm not the standard Jesus is the standard God's word is. And we can be different. And that's good. And God glorifying even healthy within the body of Christ because you see these people who are then using their giftings freely in ways that you may not be like that in that gifting sort of way, but then they are. And God is glorified and honored in amazing ways. So our striving it isn't to be a uniformity sort of striving. We're not striving for that. It's not what God's calling us to be. It is a striving together, a united arm-in-arm arm for the sake of the gospel kind of striving. It's a kind of striving that even if your brother punches you in the face, you don't say, I'm out of here, brother. You say, oh, brother, you hit me in the face. You know? And you go and you seek to make it right with that brother because you're fighting, you're striving together even in those things. I love you so much, I'm not going to run away from you, brother, sister. And that is freeing. And so it is then that we are to pursue as well. And really, this is the the foundation of being able to strive in that way side by side. We're to pursue supernatural community. Pursue supernatural community. So this is, This striving side-by-side kind of unity, it displays what kind of community we are and how we are that. We are a community that is different from the world, a community that is not natural, it is supernatural. We are to look different than the world. And so it is that as citizens of heaven, we are not to be afraid then of coming opposition or present opposition. Opponents will rise and they will not strive for us, but against us to undo us, divide us, and move our eyes away from Christ. And we need not fear our opponents is what Paul is saying here. And by not fearing them, we show that our hope is not here. We aren't clinging to this world. We know that God will vindicate us. And this gospel and his gospel will prevail. God is sovereign and he will hold all to account. So by standing together and not being afraid of our opponents, we make it clear that God is the one who will save us and he is the one who will destroy his enemies. A supernatural community. So people are to look at us, they're to look at Haven, or for that matter, any church, and say, God did that. The only reason why they're like that is because God's doing that. It's not natural to us. It's something that he is doing in us. That kind of love, that kind of striving side by side, that kind of supernatural community, only God can do something like that. And that's what we're to look like. And he gets all the glory again. And so pursue supernatural community and hold fast to the greater hope. Hold fast to the greater hope. So verses 29 through 30. Now these last verses here, they may sound a bit strange. And if you heard the way I read that, maybe it came out there. And so you may be asking, though, what do you mean? (laughs) Why do you you mean they're, they're strange? Well, because if you look there, God, he grants both of those two things. He is the one who grants us faith and he's the one who grants us suffering. Both. And that is where it may be strange. I think this it sounds even more strange in our day as Americans. We haven't faced that kind of thing that Paul's talking about, not in the way that he did and early Christians did. We face this, and so it's strange to our ears because we are so divorced from a spirituality that doesn't see suffering as integral to following Christ. We could look at even, or we could look at the New Testament over and over again and it's inherent to it. I mean, you just, you just think in Matthew 16, take up your what? Cross and follow me. It wasn't an easy chair. <laughs> take up your easy chair and follow me. He didn't say that. The very symbol of suffering itself and punishment is what you're to take up. Natural to the Christian faith. So we look there, but we see it as well in the early Christians. We look at them like perpetua, this woman who went into the arena, forsaking all, even as a wealthy woman in her day in Carthage. And she goes into the arena and receives the sword for the sake of Christ. The soldier delays seeing her, and her faith and humility, and she says, no, finish it. Boldly gave her life for Christ because her spirituality was not some like suffering was some foreign thing. It was part of following Jesus Christ. Another example we could look at is even in Acts. So after after being beaten for preaching Christ, it says then of the apostles in Acts chapter 5, verses 41 through 42. Listen to this. And then they left the presence of the council rejoicing that they were counted worthy to suffer dishonor for the name. And every day in the temple and from house to house, they did not cease teaching and preaching that Christ, that the Christ is Jesus. Amen. It was just, it was an, it was an expectation. You follow Christ, you're going to suffer. So the God who mercifully granted you faith also grants you the suffering here for his glory. So suffering is part of following Christ. And it sure serves to actually show that you know Christ. So the word, and just to, to, I know this sounds strange perhaps, but the word grant here, it means to give freely or graced. So God is saying to you in the midst of your suffering, see, I am here with you right there in the midst of your suffering i have granted it it isn't purposeless indeed all who desire to live a godly life in christ jesus will be persecuted and i can't tell you how encouraging that is if you've ever been through the fire that fiery trial that peter talks about that is immensely encouraging Lord, you are in this, and I'm not going through this without your plan and your purposes being fulfilled for your glory. I know when I've experienced difficulty and challenges, I'm not physically encountered the kind of suffering that other Christians are in other countries, but man, we, we have certainly encountered some difficult, difficult things for preaching Jesus Christ. And I can't tell you how encouraging this verse is in the midst of that, knowing that God is upholding me. He's granting this for his glory. It's purposeful. And Christ will be exalted in the end. So encouraging. Which it may not sound like it now, but if the Lord grants us suffering in the future, you'll know it then. And that is how Our passage here calls us to hold fast to the greater hope. God's plans are big, and we are to hold fast to a gospel that is big also. And so let me me end, then, with this final brief resolution. Resolve to press onward for the sake of the gospel. Resolved to press onward for the sake of the gospel. So while Megan and I, we were doing our seminary studies back, and she was getting her Master of Arts in Biblical Counseling, and I was getting my MDiv, you know, at graduation, at the Southern Baptist Theological Seminary in Louisville, Kentucky. They would sing this song as you graduated at the end, and it goes like this. Soldiers of Christ... And truth arrayed a world in ruins needs your aid a world by sin destroyed and dead a world for which the Savior bled his gospel to the lost proclaim good news for all in Jesus' name let light upon the darkness break that sinners from their death may wake morning and evening sow the seed God's grace, the effort shall succeed. Sea times of tears have oft been found with sheaves of joy and plenty crowned. We meet to part, but part to meet when earthly labors are complete to join in yet more blessed employ in an internal world of joy. So onward, church. Onward. In light of this glorious gospel, onward with this gospel. Onward together for the gospel. Onward into a new year, laboring on, unafraid, with Christ as our captain, living in a manner worthy of this precious, precious gospel. Let's pray together. Father, as we just take in your word, as we consider all the things that we're being called to do here, that we even now consider what you're calling us to do in 2021, personally, in our families, and for the sake of your name. ask Lord that you would show us and convict us or if it means conviction and repentance may those here or online do that if it means just taking up their faith and saying I'm going to press on and aim at Godwardness aim at godliness I'm going to live in a manner worthy of the gospel I'm going to make resolutions towards growing and being conformed to Christ this year Make resolutions and striving or standing together for the sake of the gospel. May you work in us, Lord, and let's pray. If there's anyone here or online who doesn't know you, may they see their need even now. May they see that Christ came to save them and that he can and certainly will save them if they would just simply put their faith in him. So we pray for your hand that you would lead us as we respond and as we sing this song. Whether we're familiar with it or not, may you just give us grace and respond now as we sing and, and respond in worship, and worship. Respond in seeking to, to walk in the ways you're calling us to. In Jesus' name, amen.